It's the twilight of your lifetime And you know the end is near Gotta find her and remind her Why she's waited all these years You were just a Welcome back to Bachelor of Hearts presents Senior Studies, the Golden Bachelor podcast that asks the question, should you choose to forgo your individual rooms and stay as a couple <laughs> in the fantasy suite? Hey, uh, this is uh, something that I was debating myself as we were watching mm. this brand new episode of the Golden Bachelor, Xavier. My name's Xavier Obetsky Noonan. I love The Bachelor. I'm just here for the zip line. And I have recovered from the coronavirus. Hooray! Uh, Zave, how are you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good. It's uh, it was a it was a whole week of just not. I mean, to be to be. Uh, by the way, the the other voice you hear is my wonderful co-host, my dear friend, who's asking about my well-being before he's even been introduced. Is Max Quinn? How are you Hello. doing, Max? Um. I'm fine. It was a it was a week of like, like it was well timed in most case, you know in yeah. most ways. It was like a good week for me to just have off and do nothing. Uh, but I did miss the show. I missed you. I missed our listeners. Uh, I had so many things I wanted to talk about on that episode. <laughs> but I did want to say a great big thanks for covering for me because I you know like it was not an easy task. You rose to the occasion. I think the episode you put out was really great. Um, thank you so much for saying. Before we go any further, I do want to acknowledge that we're recording on the lands of the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. This always was. This always will be Aboriginal land. Hello, and thanks for being here to any First Nations Bachelor of Hearts podcast listeners. Zave, I want to open up the floor, seeing as I did cover that last episode all on my lonesome for what I would like to call... Um, Faint praise, <laughs> constructive Max. criticism. Oh, I, I thought it was terrific. I think you did things with the show. It's funny that it was 30 minutes and there was just like not much nonsense. And I was like, <laughs> is this what Max wants the show to be like? You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. Uh, I also like you kind of had your, your radio voice on a little bit. It was because you're not talking to anyone. It's a kind of funny position to be put in. But yeah, um, it was nice to hear that. You know, it was nice to hear what your vision for the show is, and you, we might have some slight creative differences. <laughs> um, look, I, I'm not going to, like, for, for the interest of time, and obviously there's plenty to talk about with this episode of Golden Bachelor, which, in my opinion, was incredible. Um, I'll, I'll see that. I, there was some historic stuff that happened, so I'm not going to waste too much time. But one or two things I'd like to touch on quickly. Um, I really loved your edit to the Hudson, Indiana Wikipedia page. Oh, thank you very much. I wanted to give you five stars for that. That was incredible. Um, uh, 518 people in Hudson, of which 0.1% are of the uh, background Hudson. Mm. Um, by the way, that's still on the page at the time of recording. So um, props for the, the longevity there. Max, I just wondered if you might be able to tell me roughly, and you don't necessarily have to get a calculator out right now, but roughly what 0.1% of the number 518 might be. Yeah, and I can save you some work because the answer is half a person, Max. Yeah. <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> yeah, look, uh, 
you know, uh, I, that person doesn't know whether they're coming or going. Sure. Maybe that's it. Maybe there was an accident or something, you know. Uh, sure. Uh, who could say? Uh I thought that was fascinating. All of that. I'd never looked into Hudson, Indiana. It was incredible to learn that he lives in a town. Gary lives in a town, or at least is from a town, that officially, on record, census data, has three Asian people. That's crazy. It's <laughs> just, like, so strange. And, like, by that That information metric. is readily available online. You can look it up. Ooh, there does are that mean three. It's six people from other races? I believe it's something like that. Yeah, That's I can't remember crazy. all the stats you had. But, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. A couple of things that you breezed past that I was really fascinated by in the last episode. And you did mm. touch on them, but I just wanted to give the listeners a taste of what they might have gotten if I was here, right? Um, Chris Jenner was present in the episode. And, and I think, you know, you were, you were impressed, obviously, that they got the lookalike thing and they, you know. But I, to me, like, historically, this is like an official recognition and endorsement of this spinoff show that... It has been made by one of the most iconic and successful reality TV figures of all time, Chris Jenner. Like, this felt quite mm. momentous to me. Um, the Kardashians and The Bachelor have got kind of an up and down history. Um, uh, the, the thing, the, the event that springs to mind first for me is that in 2019, um, Bachelor creator, who is then still on the show, Mike Fleiss, mm. um, recklessly tweeted that Khloe Kardashian was, quote, very much in contention to be the next Bachelorette, which many of the Kardashian family then instantly denied, including Khloe herself, who also threatened Mike Fleiss with legal action oh my because God. this was simply not true. Uh, I just think it's really worth underlining the fact that perhaps the most famous reality figure of all time, like who who is in that company? It's yeah, you're right. It's like it, her know? and her daughters and hot dogs from Big Brother. <laughs> That's right, exactly. For them to bless the Golden Bachelor to publicly announce that they are watching and enjoying mm. it, you know, like this this spells great things for the longevity and for the. Uh, veracity i suppose of of the golden bachelor as a spin-off that's true um, i hadn't thought about the weight of that endorsement mm. uh another thing um uh, very briefly and i don't know you know th but this is uh was it no was it joan who had to leave because her daughter was giving birth yeah yeah um this was in my history of watching the bachelor franchise and I haven't exactly been like taking detailed notes of every single thing that's ever been mentioned. But this is, as far as I'm aware, the first time that I've ever heard discussion of postpartum depression on this franchise. Yeah. Which, like, fair enough. You wouldn't expect it to come up all the time. But I think it's worth considering in the context that, like, this is a show, this is a franchise, this is like a, a universe, a worldview almost, if we want to be generous, that is so obviously geared towards, like, once you are in a couple especially like once you're married and especially, especially if you have a baby, like that's it. That's your happy ending. That's like the thing that we're all working towards. And like, that's where the season ends. We won't, you know, we won't worry about the messy details after that point. Cause that's the American dream or whatever, you mm. know, to, um, and, and it, you know, the show has avoided, if not, if not intentionally, it has avoided ever having to deal with the reality that, that is not the end of the story. And um, it was interesting. It seems like another thing that is being pulled out by the fact that we're dealing with older people this season. Yeah, for sure. And 
like this is um, such a, a neat way to underscore continuance of of life, continuance full stop, I think. And mm. there's plenty of that in this episode that I think we'll get to, particularly with the discussion of Gary and Teresa's dead partners and yes. also with Leslie's relationship history. Totally, yeah. And I also thought given how sort of powerful this was and given how Joan was brought back and one of the featured sort of players of This Woman Tell All, um, that reemergence of Joan coupled with the fact that Leslie is still in the game, we were previously thinking she was probably going to be Golden Bachelorette. I kind of, I wouldn't surprise me if they were floating Joan as a possible next best candidate for Golden Bachelorette. I think she would future. test very well. Yeah. And I know she's already quite popular online. Like mm. people have you know, locked onto her from this season. Um, another thing, probably would have spent a really long time on it. We're probably already spending too much time on it. But Jesse Palmer cried in that episode. Yeah, yeah, I skipped over that. I missed that. Right. That, to me, I, I understand why you would skip it. And any normal person probably would think <laughs> not that much of it. But I feel like I could have spent, like, 15 minutes talking about, like, going through the history of the time, like, host tears, you know? Mm -hmm. Because it's, it's pretty rare... The only other time that I can really think of that flows to the top of my mind is um, somewhere, I, I can't remember what exactly the reason was for it, but the um, Chris Harrison was the previous host of the show, obviously. And at one point they made like a highlight reel of all of his best moments or something and played it to him at uh, Women Tell All or at uh, After the Final Rose or something. And he watching clips of himself and all of his <laughs> best moments <laughs> cried. Yeah, and, lovely. Like, um, yeah, and you know, like I probably would have done like a little conspiracy corner on like whether they were real tears or whether they, you know, somebody came and did a little spritz under the eyes up. and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, anyway, um, wonderful episode. I think you did a great job. Um, oh, uh, this also springs to mind. This is important. I know our listeners have been clamoring for an update on this. Um, immediately after I had forgotten it was a thing. And ruled out the fact that we might ever hear about it again and confined it to the dustbin of all, where I keep all my other Bachelor past history knowledge. Jesse Palmer, 44 host, revealed on episode seven of Bachelor in Paradise, like two thirds of the way through the episode out of nowhere, that Sam from Bachelor in Paradise had indeed finally pooed. So the dreaded poo baby delivery was luckily averted. Thank you. That uh, is such good news. Yeah, I, I, I can tell how excited you are to hear that and mm. that we're spending time talking about it. Um, it was truly fucking weird <laughs> that that came up in the first place then there was like several points after which she had left the show that it was like revisited and brought to the center of conversation again um there's a really great interview about the poo baby situation um that i read this week with elisa birnbaum professor of gi trauma and endocrine surgery on the university of colorado department of surgeries website mm. which i will link in the episode description Please. which really goes into uh, plenty of detail about like what could have, ha you know, I mean, you know, what could have happened, what might've led to this, what you could do to avoid your own. Um, or if you want to not take that advice, you could uh, also <laughs> find out how to have your very own bachelor in paradise, poo baby. Um, you know, I don't funny. know if she sells like a home kit or anything. But... I have, I was thinking about this in the context of a different news story this week. Mm -hmm. Pooh's been in the news. Pooh's news. 
Poo's News. Is, right? this, a, is, this, a, is this a new segment? Yeah, Poo's News. Max Quinn. Have you seen my puppy? Come on in. Poo's news. Hey, here's um yeah. here's some poo news for you this week. Uh, do you see mm-hmm. this one? Man goes through menopause after DIY poo transplants cured his crones what the fuck so Who gets this a man tra- what what does any of that mean well, so these words are in the bible <laughs> <laughs> yeah diy poo transplants is specifically <laughs> mentioned at several points in the bible in fact one of the letters from paul to the corinthians just says diy poo transplants <laughs> over and over and over um no so what had happened in this in this story is that this man had crohn's disease and sometimes with crohn's disease you have to get poo transplants and the um, poo transplants that he got were from his mum. And as it turns out, that sticking your mum's poo into your own area uh, to do your Crohn's treatment uh, can give you the symptoms of menopause even as a man. Wow, that's fascinating. There you I go. gotta say, I don't feel a lot closer to understanding what happened there, but maybe that's another one I can read after the show. We'll put we'll this pop in, the it in the show notes. notes. <laughs> yeah. This is clearly what the podcast is about now. A couple other things I wanted to catch up on. Speaking of Golden Bachelor, I suppose, uh, there are rumors floating around the world right now, some of them propagated by us, that there may be an Australian season of Golden Bachelor in in our midst, perhaps, sometime in the future. Uh, Not very conclusive rumors or anything. Um, Warner Brothers Casting Australia's official Instagram page shared a casting card a week or two ago, which reads, Seeking Single Seniors for an Exciting New TV Series. Mm. And it certainly seems to be a senior dating type of show. I don't know if this means they're just like, maybe they have like a single woman who they want to put on an episode of first dates and they need to get some senior guys to go with her or something. Mm-hmm. But like chances aren't like, it would not, it would not be the biggest surprise in the world. If Australia was like, Oh, people are actually watching and talking about golden bachelor. We need a little bit of that. So that's cool. That would be great. I would enjoy that tremendously. Me too. I imagine we would, we would be very excited when that uh, came up, but it's just rumors right now. Not rumors. Is fact. Let me, learn, let me learn how to speak before I start this. That's just rumored, but here's something that's trumored. <laughs> that's a new phrase I've just made up. It just means something's true. Uh, we have proper confirmation that F Boy Island Australia will be back with season two next year. I mean, I assume it's next year. They'd be mm. really fucking rushing because they've just announced that they're casting uh, similar to whatever this uh, older people Warner Brothers is looking for. But SF Boy Island is coming back again season two. We're going to, we're going to, well, let's announce it, right? We're going to, we're going to cover it. We're going we're back going to, to the island it. in 2024. Right. Me, XRN, F Boy Island season two. What's going to happen? Who can say? But who's excited? I tell you. Me. Yes. Pretty excited. We're going to talk about some rotten fellas. Somewhat to think about these men. You know, I never did hear back from Caleb from the fake email address that I sent. Oh. Um, 
you remember I was asked trying to find out how old he was? Yeah. Was it how old or how tall? No, it was no, how old. It was how old, old. yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Let me just go through and just check the, the Gmail account for Big Star Brand Activations at gmail.com. Yeah, that's, um, that's a good idea. All inboxes, primary, trombone chat. Mm. No, I've got nothing. That's okay. Um, during this episode that we are about to discuss of The Golden Bachelor, you won't know this, but I found out about this through other means, ABC, the network that airs it on American television, no relation, also aired a promo saying, quote, ready to spend your golden years with someone special? Apply now to be on the next season of The Golden Bachelor. Oh, so they're bringing it back too. Right. So obviously this isn't like full confirmation. This isn't an announcement, but it strongly suggests that they're interested in doing this again. Fantastic. It makes me think that there's probably like, do they... Is this? I don't know how the money works of it all. You know, do they have to pay mm -hmm. for the advertising? In which case, does that mean there's budget? In which case, does that mean it's been secretly greenlit? Who cares? Looks like they're casting for Golden Bachelor. Um, kind of interesting that it seems like they're casting for Golden Bachelor and not Golden Bachelorette, which is kind of where we had thought maybe things were going. Yeah, I kind of don't know. Maybe they're adopting the Australia model of only men. So far, but they have had no yeah. difficulty, I think, in, in finding compelling women to cast. And if anything, mm. some of the stories of these women have uh, proven to be quite, I think, conducive to great reality TV. So I, mm. knowing now that our friends who make The Golden Bachelor listen to the show, hello, thanks for being in touch. Golden Bachelorette, where is it? That's all yeah. I'm saying to you. Yeah, come on, guys. Uh, yes, we, <laughs> we did share, I shared some DMs with the Golden Bachelor, uh, the, 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 I assume it's Gary who runs the socials. Uh, I think so. And he's also the surprisingly. lead producer on the series as well. Mm. You know, he's sort of in charge of everything there. Uh, I was messaging with whoever the very nice person <laughs> from the Golden Bachelor social media, uh, Instagram, uh, team, uh, they, they might send us some t-shirts. I think be nice of them. they agreed to send us some t-shirts before they realized we were in Australia. But you know what? We got them. <laughs> I think it's happening. So well done. Well that's done. wonderful. Um, also, another fucking thing I have to say before we start. A little tiny announcement from us. Um, we have had some questions about our Patreon recently. Oh, um, yeah. And we've decided that we're going to relaunch it. Um, however, we're not going to do like regular posts on there, regular episodes on there, whilst we're doing regular episodes on the main feed. Uh, it's just not really tenable. We're putting as much time and energy into these episodes as we can. Um, and that's just the way it goes. It's not sustainable. But, you know, for the time being, we wanted it to exist as a space where if you as a listener have the means and if you have the desire to, you certainly don't have to. Um, you can chuck us a couple of dollars to show your support for the show. Um, and we're, I think we're hoping to drop some bonus content there in the future, but like, that's the plan for right now. So if you would like to either start or stop your subscription, because obviously it's, you're paying for nothing <laughs> really, uh, head over to patreon.com slash BOH pod to do that. Um, we love you either way. Um, and that's what's happening on Patreon. So, with this episode, we are setting up for an absolutely disastrous finale, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. We are... Oh, this is just going to be rancid. Barreling towards <laughs> this, you know, I think this is going to cause 
irreparable psychic damage to anyone who tunes in. <laughs> basically, like anyone who tunes in, any of the three people who are involved in this love triangle, right? This is going to be painful. Yeah. Uh, and, and of course, for the two of us who will be covering it the same week as the beginning of The Bachelor's Australia Season 7, oh uh, which will be its own kettle of fish. I mean, the beginning's usually fine, but, you know, a little, little chaotic. Um, I thought maybe we could set the scene for this episode, um, by talking briefly about the fated rite of passage that is the fantasy suite, because I have seen my fair share of these, um, but I can't really remember how much experience you have with them, Max. So my experience is pretty limited. There was obviously a fantasy suite on the first season of the Australian Bachelor, which we covered on the podcast. We also covered the first ever fantasy suites in the American Bachelor season one, also covered on the pod. Uh, that's that's as much as I know, realistically. I don't have any fantasy suite experience outside of that and stray episodes that you and I might have watched around the time of, like, JoJo and Nick Vial's Bachelor seasons. Okay, got it. Cool. Um, well, uh, oh, and the other question, I guess, just table setting, getting the understanding of, like... So maybe you haven't seen so many of the Bachelor episodes where people... Have you seen people have sex before, though? The, th- the thing about having Shreks is, like, they're these little green guys, and they're all around. And the thing that was the most confusing to me in this episode was I didn't see any of them. Yeah. And so I'm really fascinated to see what you've got in terms of, like, in terms of breaking this down. Sure, yeah. Well, you know, it's just they're walking a thin line here of, like, how much can they get away with showing of Shreks? Because, obviously... It's not owned by Disney and, uh, you know, the Disney, <laughs> I don't know, we'll get into all that. There's a lot of passion there. You don't want to be in excess of uh, the amount of passion that you can show. Absolutely. Our grandkids are watching. Yeah. Listener, I'm sure you found this um, as, as confusing and as confronting as I did. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Max, also, could you briefly just tell me about your history of physical intimacy? Like, have you ever yeah, had yeah. it? What was it like? Should I try it? You know... To each their own. Hmm. Yep. So fantasy suites are home to a lot of innuendo and eyebrow waggling, as you there might was imagine. So much of that. There I was didn't quite really a bit expect of that. How much um, uh, aphorism there would be. Yeah. Well, it's it's we're, as as we've said, it's like primetime TV. So like we want to acknowledge, but we don't want to like be explicit in a way that'll you know upset people or or censors or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of that. But then th- this episode is also like crucially important, I think, to the construction of the American season in terms of just like the the escalating drama. It's one of the key building blocks, and therefore. This this week, this feature of the show has been home to some of the show's most iconic moments. So I just wanted to recap, like, a couple. Sure. Um, and basically, this is just my opportunity to spring some things on you that I don't think you know about, Max Quinn. Probably um, not. Hannah Brown's season of The Bachelorette, season 15. Um, Hannah Brown, one of the greatest to ever do it. Uh, her Her season featured this male player named Luke Parker. And he warned Hannah that if she was going to have sex with one or more of the other guys, he would want to leave because it was, you know, in opposition to his faith or whatever. This is something that he obviously 
the show's been on the air for a while now. He knew this was going to come up at some point, but he decided to make a big stinking deal out of it, he right? He thought and that he could threaten her out of it. Exactly, yeah. And he was really, like, standing his ground and being like, I think your, you know, value as a woman will be decreased if you do this. And all. I mean, he didn't literally say that, but that's the, that's the undercurrent, right? Uh, so she, this being a fairly recent season, um, stood her ground in return, um, and, uh, sent him home immediately. Um, Fabulous. She, she informed him that she had in fact already had sex with one of the other contestants. This other contestant was Peter Weber. Uh, is it Weber? I'm never quite sure. We've talked about this before. They had sex in a windmill, um, it, it, oh, you're the windmill. Yeah. So they had sex twice in a windmill, um, and... <laughs> She she told Luke Parker, uh, this, she had this iconic sign-off as she sent him home. She said, I had sex and Jesus still loves me, which I think is like uh, um, a, a rallying cry for The Bachelor and Bachelorette going forward. Put that on a bumper sticker. Yeah, I think uh, I think there are probably some t-shirts out there. Um, uh, my other car is having sex in a windmill. <laughs> Honk if you love... Um, what is a uh, centrifugal force? How does a windmill work? I'm not sure. Uh, she also later clarified on stage at the After the Final Rose live special in front of hundreds of people and millions of viewers. It was actually four times that they fucked in the windmill. That's good. Good yeah. for them. Yeah. Uh, another incredible, just like maybe the most interesting thing that has ever happened in the Bachelor franchise on some level, um, just in terms of its like uh, relation to world history, I guess. Um, Rachel Lindsay, um, we know her, we love her, the first black woman ever to be cast as the Bachelorette, um, later went on to, you know, speak out against Chris Harrison, part of the reason he was, uh, sent off the show, yada yada. Before that, she had a fantasy suite on Nick Vial's season of The Bachelor. And this is a fascinating season of The Bachelor for a number of reasons, but, um, one of them and perhaps chief among them in my opinion is that when she got off the plane to meet Nick Vial in Finland for their overnight date she learned that very day that Donald Trump had just won the 2016 election and so over the course of that day with the already like immense pressure of being the first black woman to oh no this is before she was bachelorette but like yeah she's in the contestant pool at this time. We watched right. the season. Yes. Um, but I feel like, I feel like maybe there was, there was already some conversation around her potentially being bachelorette. Um, she, over the next day after learning this proceeded to drink a lot, uh, and then pass out in the fantasy suite without sleeping with, or even talking to Nick Vial. And they had to like edit around that. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. Yeah. Um, because the, uh, immense psychic weight of, um, that the commander in Cheeto being, um, elected, um, was of course, uh, too much for her to bear. Um, just something that like, the more I think about it, the more it unravels as like an extremely dark and confusing and enlightening also, you know, moment for our world. Um, also, and this is the last one, and it's mostly personal, watching the Fantasy Suite episode of Ben Higgins season 20 of The Bachelor US was a key factor in me wanting to start this podcast. Right. This is like a season that I watched at the time it was airing, the first American season I had watched live because we had a Foxtel <laughs> subscription that I got for free from work for three months. Um, Fantastic. I think 
Incidentally, this was, I believe, the first time a lead on The Bachelor or Bachelorette had outright said, I love you to more than one woman. Right. Which is kind of what we're dealing with here. Um, and so I feel like that's such an interesting bookend. Obviously, this is not the end of our podcast, but just like framing it. I think this episode was so good. It was chock full of like historic firsts and like reasons why I love The Bachelor. Uh, I can't wait to talk about it. I've done enough. I think we're in a good place to get into it. How do you feel? I think we're ready. Well, let's dive into The Golden Bachelor, Season 1, Episode 8, Fuck Week. Knew, knew it. Knew that was yeah, coming. I mean, yeah, Told you on the show it. last week, listeners. Yeah. You were right. Not fornication Fortnite. Couldn't great. get it across the line. No. Didn't happen in time. Uh, micro teaser, sexy dancer Leslie asks Gary, when's the last time he had sex? And he asks her to clarify if she means by himself or with someone else. We'll come back to it. We begin the episode watching Gary as he is driven around Costa Rica, which will serve as the location for this episode. Max, have you ever been to Costa Rica? I have not. I had to Google it to work out where it was. I have learned that the capital is San Jose. I have not successfully been able to make any Wikipedia edits to the Wikipedia Damn. page of Costa Rica. Okay, Costa Rica is too vigilant being over there. Well looked after, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I haven't been there either. Um, dealing with the cost of living is bad enough. Am I right? That's why I can't get a ticket. <coughs> um, You'd have to sorry. be cost a richer. What does that mean? Got rich because of money, finance. Mm, money. Yep. Stocks. You'd have to be more rich. On, more on that later. Money. Our establishing shots focus on the beautiful flora and fauna, including green-eyed tree frogs, emerald basilisks, and white-headed capuchins, until Gary arrives at the Springs Resort and Spa, which is the very same place that the aforementioned Peter Weber, Pilot Peter... <laughs> I don't know why I'm talking like this. I had COVID for a week. I haven't talked to a lot of people for a while. <laughs> Uh, Pilot Pete stayed at this exact place on season 24 of The Bachelor um, and they visited this this location and this was the episode where he bonked his head getting into a golf cart and then later in the episode explained his quite visible head injury by saying that he got in a fight with a puma in the jungle. Oh my God. A great moment. The man it makes good television. Uh, Gary takes a moment to spotlight the... Arenal Volcano, I believe I'm pronouncing that right. It feels like I'm pronouncing it wrong. Uh, Aren Arenal Volcano, which serves as the picturesque backdrop to this episode. God, it's very pretty. And Max, it's not just pretty, it's a really good metaphor. The Arenal Volcano is estimated to be around 7,500 years old. <laughs> and despite, despite many hundreds of years of dormancy, in 1968... It unexpectedly erupted, destroying the small town of Tabacon, and for many years afterwards, it became one of the 10 most active volcanoes in the world. Hell yeah. I think the symbolism here is quite good. This, this is precious, in, not to quote Gary too hard there, but it is precious. Mm. The other thing that I want to raise that we, that we got to here is Gary talking about how things look here. And he mentioned 
that he had retired at what age? Did you catch this? I don't remember this, no. This man said that he had been retired at the age of 55. Must be nice. Must be nice. What did he do? Do we know this? What was his job? Venture capital? Did he export and import dentists? I thought he had a pig farm. Why do yeah, I think he had a pig farm? I said that on Did the show last that? week. Okay, right. Okay. You also misinformation. Up. Yeah, okay. Uh, Gary Turner. We know this to be true about Gary. He has the following career. I'm Googling as fast as I can. Uh, <laughs> we all know this and it's embarrassing to me that you don't. How do I even host a show with you? Gary Turner, Greater Melbourne area, LinkedIn. He has more than 40 years experience in... Uh, the aviation industry <laughs> Great. gained across technical, commercial, strategic, and operational roles within airlines. Yeah, he works for Jetstar. Good for Gary. He was restaurant. He oh, restaurateur. Yes, he he owned a restaurant franchise. He used to own Mr. Quick Restaurants in the seventies. He became a partner in nineteen seventy eight, and then the sole owner. What did they sell at Mr. Quick? I can't believe we never looked this up. This is crazy. Mr. Quick Restaurants. Oh, it still still exists. A Muskegon favorite. A niche player in convenience dining. They've got a chicken deluxe burger, a mm-hmm. brisket burger, a perch sandwich. I think they mean perch the fish rather than perch like, you know. Like on a branch. Is. Yeah. Interesting. They got- and they're also hiring. Gary could get a job. <gasps> Oh, wouldn't that be incredible? A little bookend, you know? Uh, Every Tuesday night, every Tuesday night at Mr. Quick in Muskegon, they have something called Cruise Night. Hell and yeah. And it's not a boat cruise. It's not the real love boat, but it is bring your old car, bring your like vintage car <gasps> to Mr. Quick and we'll take a photo of you and put it on the website, I guess, is what it is. There now- are some... Fucking crazy cars here. And none of their headlights seem to work. Is that possible? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Stop the presses. At Mr. Quick's... uh, uh, What did I call it? At Mr. Quick's cruise night, they are pieing people. People are getting pies to the face. This is a dream for you. I got to go there. I might have to go right now. This is like, uh, this is bachelor, bachelor fortuitousness here. Xavier has harbored a long standing dream mentioned multiple times on the show to be <laughs> pied in the face. We yeah. finally have a location <laughs> that is bachelor related, and it is the former restaurant of the restaurateur, <laughs> Gary Turner, who bought and sold hamburgers as Mr. Quick. I think also a bit fortuitous given the nature of what's going on in this episode. Oh yeah. Because the episodes are a little shorter than a little shorter than you. And then also, you know, is there something else? Is there something else going on in this episode? It seems to not be, it seems to have not been hinted at, at, uh, at all, but at a certain point, um, Gary does refer to it as closed door time, which, um, is what (laughs) I have with my cat, Brian, when he's being aggressive. (laughs) Right, when you're trying to feed one of the cats and it's not time for the other one to eat yet, it's closed yep. door time. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes, yes. Gary's excited. He, he, he's looking forward to the opportunity to be physically intimate with Teresa and Leslie, both of whom he is in love with. I love all this table setting at the start. It just sounds very strange. This it, is not how you talk about people. I, I also just don't understand, like, 
the in love part because he's in love with three of these women, right? Like he's in love with Faith. Mm-hmm. He's in love with Teresa and he's in love with Leslie. But it seems like varying degrees of of in love in this it's complicated yeah well he sent faith home so you know he was in love with her for a couple of days and then now she's in the rearview mirror now he's turned that tap off yeah that's right yeah uh yes it is very strange obviously he made a colossal fuck up by i I think right like oh i don't know is it a mistake is it not was he just being honest but Like, like i think that's a mega fuck up it is such a fuck up from gary he is constructing a Jenga tower of fuck-ups, and he's trying mm. to pull away one fuck-up at <laughs> a time. And eventually, like, this whole tower of fuck-ups is going to collapse on him, and right. that is what is at the heart of this episode. Yes, there's a lot of, like, <laughs> kind of... I was making that noise a lot while I was Yeah. Watching, you know? it, like, I, the show has done him so dirty. Like, he has been manipulated... So well, and there's a certain amount of me that questions whether or not we're taking advantage of the elderly, that I want to foreshadow this whole episode with with that question. Yeah, I mean, it's it's always worth asking. Uh, Gary and Jesse Palmer, 44 host, kick things off with a chat, and your mileage might vary, but I found this extremely funny and charming. Me too. Uh, Jesse asks, what comes to mind when Gary hears the phrase fantasy suites? And Gary says... Many people will be looking at that as, do people my age still knock boots and have a good time behind closed doors? I'm already chuckling. And then he turns his focus directly to Jesse Palmer, 44 host, and asks, do you still feel like mom and dad come down with a little extra spring in their step? And Jesse is clearly very, very uncomfortable. And he's like, "Uh, let's just keep this focused on you. Right, because what's your alternative in that? If I was thinking about if I was uh, if I was Jesse in that situation, uh-huh. are you like, yeah, my parents fuck, right. Gary? What do you know? Like, the, I don't think I think uh, Jesse handled this in the most graceful way, as uncomfortable as it made him. Right, and it's also funny because it's like that's what that's what we're doing this season, right? Is we're talking and thinking about old people doing stuff that we don't normally th- talk and think about them doing, and for the show to be a success and something that I think it has done quite well is uh, illustrating that these things are pretty normal uh, and different people will have different experiences as they age. But, you know, like old people do not just like stop feeling anything or whatever. Yeah. uh, You don't just become a sack of skin. Right. And this makes Gary, I'm sorry, this makes Jesse Palmer a little uncomfortable uh, and, you know, it's a little off-brand, I suppose, for him to be like, ooh, this is yucky. But also it's like, what are you, you going to do, you know? Right, it's great. I love that uh, Gary was able to elicit this from Quarterback 44 host. I like it too. It's it's like good uh, personality from Jesse, you know? Yes. Because often a, a host of this show will kind of just be a brick wall and we won't get that much from him. I, I, I have thought he has erred on the side of just being generic cardboard cutout host man a lot. Um, but I, I sense him opening up a bit. It's funny that it took a 72-year-old man to make him do that yeah, in, a certain, yeah. in a certain way, don't, don't you think? Like, Well, I think he has a sense of superiority over the younger players, as Chris Harrison definitely, definitely did. Absolutely. But I think he's like, not only was I once The Bachelor, 
But also, I'm a grown man and I know my way around this shit and you guys are just fucking around. Is that like at least a part of the, the DNA of The Bachelor host, you know? Definitely. Uh, Gary says he's just as excited about the pillow talk, that non-physical intimacy that helps communication reach the next level. Speaking about his relationship with Leslie, Gary says, It's like the onion has been peeled back and every layer has been a different color. Um, incidentally, just over a week ago, uh, Geo Media CEO Jim Spanfeller laid off 23 workers from The Onion. Um, <laughs> so he did peel it back. Uh, he also, uh, maybe worth mentioning, shut down entirely the feminist news and opinion website Jezebel, um, which has been home to lots of good Bachelor coverage over the years. I think if you're peeling back on an onion mm-hmm. and every layer reveals itself to be a different color... Mm. You either need to throw it out because you're going to be unwell. Yeah. Or you need to keep an eye out for a leprechaun. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's a standard issue onion. Yeah, I think that there's something there's something going on here with uh with Gary and with the onion that he appears to be dating. Mm. Uh, meanwhile, Gary describes his nice, warm, safe, secure feeling with Teresa. Reiterating the connection they have over having lost their partners and re-establishing that he hasn't specifically told Teresa that he loves her yet. What what I liked about this scene is that he said, Teresa has a hole in her heart just like I do. Hmm. This is new information. Yeah, again, this is like medical stuff, right? There's a pacemaker for that, bro. Yeah, I think... Or a stent or I don't know, medicine, but fix that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, before we go any further about about what's going on with, with Teresa and what's going on with Leslie, the thing that I was really conscious of here and was proved wrong about by the end of the episode was that it didn't feel like we were using proposal as end game uh, hmm. for this episode for this series. In in particular, in that conversation between Jesse and Gary, at no point is like getting down on one knee alluded to at no point is uh marriage sort of the goal and i wrote down in my notes like fascinating that we're not using wife as end game here and i'm wondering Mm. if you think it's because the focus of this is supposed to be on old person sex and whether or not like sex and wife are separate um spheres on the bachelor that is interesting. Yeah, I I, th- I sort of did clock that. And and you're right, like, this is probably where you would start getting that stuff fed into the episode if it was going to be a big part of it. I haven't really heard a lot of, like, wife marriage proposal stuff from this season, generally speaking. Yeah. And that's maybe partly why I don't know if I buy the hypothesis that it's because we're mostly talking about sex on this episode. Because I think if that were the case, we might've heard it earlier and I'm sure we'll hear plenty of it on in the next episode in the finale. Um, but you're right that like the goalposts are different. I think between this and a regular, you know, younger season, um, that like for whatever reason, the myth that they are, um, selling or, you know, the truth or however you feel about marriage sure. or whatever. Yeah. Um, the, the line, is different with these older people than it is when we're talking about people in their twenties and thirties who are promising to be together forever here. It's like, we're promising to be together forever. We don't necessarily like ring or no ring, you know, like it's, yeah, it's its own separate thing, but yeah, I'm not sure exactly what that means. 
Jesse Palmer, 44, host, turns the conversation back towards intimacy. And Gary says, well, I would like for you to define intimacy for me. And Jesse has this incredible blank expression on his face and says, um, sexual? <laughs> and he's like really struggling. It's so funny. This is the most expressive shit I've seen from him. He looks at the camera and he's like, uh, how babies get made? How can I say this on Disney? Um, and I think this, this is so funny. And I want to throw to you here because this feels to me so illustrative of this tightrope that they have to walk on a, on a fantasy suite episode. That's right. Because the objective is clearly not to make a baby here. <laughs> That's true. That's very true. Yeah. But it's a, the process is somewhat similar, one could argue. Yes, one could. The thing for me is like um, the way that we're not using this as um, medical. Um, we're not using terms like procreation and we are instead uh-huh. um, choosing to infantilize this a little bit. Yeah, it's this like fairy tale, almost like, you know, the mm-hmm. stork coming to deliver a baby type of thing or whatever. I mean, mm. maybe it's not quite that like uh, uh, opaque, but... Um, yeah, it's, it's funny that this episode by design is explicit. Well, I I can't say explicitly, but like is by design about sex. Everybody knows that going in, everybody watching knows that everybody participating knows that this is just part of it in a way that it truly isn't in, in Australia and most other countries, I think. Um, it's like how implicit can we be to the point where it becomes obvious Yes, and that balancing act is is maybe the most interesting part of this episode, although there are some other things that come up too. Yeah, like when Gary takes the stork back to the fantasy suite and fucks it. Yeah. Look, there's, there's, long, get made. there's long, beautiful wings, you know. <laughs> um, Jesse summarizes... So when the time is right, you're saying that intimacy is... And Gary cuts him off saying, Oh, sure. What are you, crazy? What are you, nuts? I'm not going to pass this up. This may be the last time in my life. If it might be the last time in your life and you've got a hole in your heart and another one in your penis, Gary, fucking get to it. (laughs) I don't love that he says it might be the last time in his life. Maybe that's realistic. I don't know. It's just like, oh, I didn't really think about that, you know? Is that, do you think um, Gary, you people... you get out there and go and, you know, give yourself yeah. some credit. Yeah, I think You're on there's, a big um, TV show. People would want yeah. to fuck his brains out left, right, and center. Surely there's an old person dating app. Oh. I'm trying to think of a funny name for one. Grumble. Fuck. Okay. Whinge. Whinge. <laughs> Gary ITMs, I'd want to make sure that her comfort area was as complete as it could possibly be. There's no way I wrote this down correctly. Blinder. <laughs> like blinder? <laughs> oh, grind. <laughs> You're doing Tinder. I was struggling so hard to think of one for Tinder that I was like, that's Me clearly too. what Max is doing. Yeah, no, there was no way that I could do that. Listeners, um, write in. If there is one for Tinder, we couldn't think of it. Yeah, so we're talking about the way that Gary is defining uh, physical intimacy here, right? Yeah. And the thing that got me is that as he's talking about this process being gentle and oh, slow, yes. do you know what I'm about to talk about? 
Yeah, yeah. So he's like, I want to make sure she's comfortable if that leads to something more physical. Sorry, I forgot to do the voice. Uh, then that or that activity becomes organic and natural in its nature. And we're sort of cutting across this beautiful bounty, the, the, the uh, flora and fauna. Two with cans. Which yeah, look, you know, and this, you know, it's a, a democratically stable and highly educated and socially progressive sovereign nation, and they're able to coexist with all of these beautiful species. And then at Gary, at Gary says, at this age, it's more gentle, it's more slow, and we see a close-up shot of Costa Rica's own brown-throated, three-toed sloth. This is such a funny moment. Not even... That it's a, a three-toed sloth. It's one with a bug on its head. <laughs> I didn't see. <laughs> that was my favorite moment of the episode. Not only were they like, we'll choose the sloth. We'll choose a sloth who's like swatting at something. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get down from there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also see a toucan passing a bit of food from its beak to the beak of another toucan. These two cans these four cans i guess are lovers as well you know this is so beautiful this metaphor mm. you know they're there gary's talking about sharing these intimate moments and these two birds are doing the same thing it's so good it's poetry it's really lovely and i didn't know that was how birds made babies but now i do <laughs> yeah you know i'm assuming it was food maybe it was like <laughs> Yeah, good. I don't want to have to ask, do birds come? Because I know that will be the episode title. But now, it's something I'm going to have to Google. It's funny to me that we nearly had a guest on this episode. I don't I'm know. opening we, up an incognito window to Google this. Because <laughs> I know there's only one bit down there, right? There is no penetration. Uh-huh. Hop on, hop off. Hop on, hop like a like a rideshare service almost. <laughs> During copulation, they rub their swollen cloacas together. <sighs> they may only yeah they do come they they come birds. Birds have birds sperm. Of a feather come together. <laughs> come together. <laughs> um, you know, oh, some birds have penises. We know this about things like the humble duck who has the corkscrew penis. Oh, duck dick. Yes. How much animal dick was on the podcast this week? <laughs> what the fuck? The difficult balancing act of the cloacal kiss. Multiple attempts are necessary to ensure the sperm takes but frequent copulation may, may dilute or displace rival sperm. Oh, my goodness. So birds are polyamorous. Is this the first episode we delete? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Hmm. Let's, okay. Let's talk about the first fantasy sweet day with Leslie. Leslie jogs up to meet Gary. The shot is framed like it's going to be a hoojoo, but despite... The hug ending in a sloth-like leg wraparound cling. There is no actual spring from the ground, so I cannot count it. Bit of a shame. Maybe it's wearing on them, you know, mm. all this. There's limited cartilage to go around here. Yeah, yeah. Make the most of it. 
Save it for what matters later <laughs> in the piece. Uh, Gary tells Leslie that to see the best stuff, sometimes it's hidden and you have to go a little extra and maybe rappel down a 180-foot cliff to get to a waterfall. Leslie, being a rational human being, squirms a bit hearing this. We've talked about the fear of heights date a hundred times before. Uh, and then tells him, I was hoping for zip lining, but okay. This is, of course, another huge belly laugh from me. Perfect. I feel pretty confident this is not a reference to it, but uh, listener, if you haven't seen it, one of the absolute best Bachelor parody. I, you, can you even call it a Bachelor parody? It is like a um, a sketch set a in sketch comedy set in The Bachelor. Yeah, uh, it's in season three of Tim Robinson's sketch show. I think you should leave. In which Tim's character is found to be just there for the the zipline, and it's very funny. Really good. Leslie also looking at the surroundings here says, "I'm in heaven." Oh. We really need to be more careful with this. <laughs> This is really, it's really jumping out to you every time. I can't not hear it. Yeah. It's tough. It's tough stuff. Mm. So this is a very traditional batchy exercise. I'm sailing down a 50 meter drop together. Leslie says she's afraid of heights. It's all like exactly how we uh, expect it to be. Unfortunately, there is no abseiling waiter to deliver them hot chocolate as they are rappelling down. Uh, I did like when Leslie was psyching herself up by saying... I gave birth three times. I should be able to do this. Right. Kind I of... thought this was pretty funny, but also pretty standard batchy fare here. Yeah. But, you know, that's the, that's the kind of specific you're not going to get on a younger batchy show, I assume. Uh, Leslie and shirtless Gary embrace in a scenic pond underneath the waterfall. This is also very, very classic. Happens on Fantasy Suite Dates basically every season. They'll make out in a waterfall. I want to talk about the rappel itself, though. Did you catch anything from this? Because there was a very obvious edit in this. No, what do you got? So Leslie is rappelling down the cliff, and she's scared, and Gary's sort of, like, talking her through it. Uh But they show the same shot of her almost falling. You know how on a rappel you can kind of lose your balance? Yeah, and your footing slips or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or like you bounce out and you spin a little bit. And so the side oh, of your sure. body could hit the building or in this case, the cliff face. Mm-hmm. But they show the same footage of oh. her bouncing off a, uh, a cliff face and then turning a bit sideways and going, uh-oh. And they repeat that. So she goes, uh-oh. And then they repeat it and they go, uh-oh. And then they show it a third time. And we just wow. get the, uh-oh. Like it was just like, phenomenal to me that they tried to manipulate us into thinking that she was having such a hard time when it was so clearly the same shot and the same soundbite. That is interesting. Because what they wanted was, you know, when uh, Homer Simpson skateboards off the Springfield Gorge and he he falls down like a hundred times hitting his head on the way down. Uh, Yeah, this didn't even register to me. I kind of zoned out, honestly. Um, But that's very funny. What 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 a snafu. Uh, they make their way back to the resort for the quote unquote dinner portion of the date. Obviously the word dinner is said about four or five times here. And Gary even asks, are you hungry? And there is of course no food. My favorite bit here was that he was like, tonight we have the night dinner. <laughs> Did he say that? Tonight we have the night dinner. The night dinner. Well, of course, cause he's, he's a little bit older. He probably goes to bed a little bit earlier. He's probably having dinner at like 3.30 PM. 3.30, right? 4 o'clock, right? Night yeah, dinner yeah, yeah. is an event for him. <laughs> he's like, oh, I've always wanted to try it. Proper noun. 
brings back memories of my time at Mr. Quick's. <laughs> Uh, Gary points out that he's noticed that Leslie hasn't asked him any of the hard questions in a while, saying, quote, Are you just giving me a pass on some things, or what is it? It's not very clear what he's, like, expecting here, what he's setting up. I don't know if there was some untaped prior conversation where he's like, when I say this, you should leap into, you know, whatever. What I did like about this, though, are we kind of take your point, don't know what those tough questions necessarily are or what he's alluding to. At the very least, I like that he's entering into an uncomfortable space with uh, with Leslie in a way that feels a gentle and non-confrontational. Mm. And that opens it up for the scene we saw at the start with the what's the last time you had sex? And he's like, you know, does a spit take and he says it's a long time. She says it's been a year. Um, and then it's also, you're right, it, t- it sets the table for this next part of the conversation, which is, um, he, he, I mean, in the gentlest possible way, he sort of issues her a challenge. Um, or, you know, at, at, as part of your work as the lead of one of these shows, this is one of the challenges that you need to put to your contestants, which is like, mm. what are we going to do about where we live, right? And depending on how they choose to handle it, that might determine whether or not they get a rose. Um, Leslie says she doesn't want to leave Minneapolis permanently, but at the end of the day, she loves him and wants to be with him. So she thinks that they can work it out. She says, instead of by coastal, we can be by Midwestern. This, this is like risky to me. I feel like the safe plan plan. If you're a bachelor contestant, if you're a bachelorette contestant, whatever is to just say, I will move to where you're going. Right. And then you, if you have to figure it out later, you have to figure it out later. But like mm. while you're on the show, there are still other people here. You want to say what you can to get through, in my opinion. I think that's probably right. What I liked about the way that Teresa spoke about this is that she factored in her family. She played on the things mm. that Gary also clearly has that cognizance for. Yeah. The other part about this, though, that was really, really interesting to me was that Gary had to pivot the conversation into this because we hear a lot about later in the episode about how Gary and Teresa seem to have this like mind meld, like this very common Mm. understanding of each other. Mm. And here the, the way that the storytelling is set out is like, Gary's like, well, we haven't asked any of the hard questions and where Leslie pivots to is a place of, well, how long has it been since you've had sex? but that's not the question that Gary's trying to ask her. You Mm. know what I mean? Like, Mm. whereas it seems more like based on the edit later in the episode that Teresa is positioned as the one who can like read Gary's mind Mm. a little bit. This is one of the things that makes me feel like Teresa's going to be the winner as much as that gives me a little bit of, um, distaste interesting here. interesting because that's yeah. not the message that i took away from this episode necessarily uh gary says that like and i don't i don't want to take anything away from the fact that like this works like gary likes this he's he's yeah. getting what he wants from this he says we'll figure it out are the magic words um i don't yeah like personally speaking i don't think that we'll figure it out are or should be the magic words but if that's what gary's looking for then that's you know Totally agree with you. And the magic word inside that magic phrase is we, because she's saying we'll figure it out. And he's saying if we decide to move here or if we decide Mm. to be with each other. And 
it struck me that that's not really what's happening here. Do yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, not a there's one person right who now. very, very clearly holds the power dynamic, but yeah. he's doing quite a nice job of, um, at this time, whether he is so smitten, whether he is so smitten that he feels like his life with Leslie, the sexy dancer, is certain, a certainty mm. at this point, or whether he is being uh, generous and convivial. Or maybe it's that, that thing of like, phrase. he says, we'll figure it out. And that maybe secretly means like, once we are on a level playing field, you know, like. Well, yes. Or, or maybe he's even saying like, we'll figure it out. Me and someone, <laughs> you know, like me and my winner will figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like there's, there's so much of this where it's, um, he gives a lot away to these women and then when he talks to the camera, it's much more restrained, you know? So he's, instead of in the way that he talks to Leslie later, in a very, very uh, beautiful, romantic kind of way, the way that he then talks to the camera about what has happened is he goes, well, she could be the person, instead sure. of the, um, the way that I think that he's making them feel, which is you are the person. Mm. Gary says, if we decide we're right for each other, from my perspective, and I want it to be your perspective, from that moment forward, we are fully committed to each other. And it is indeed till death do us part. Bingo. This is the power dynamic that we're speaking about. Yeah. Well, Leslie tears up. Gary whispers, I've got you. And she says, even through two marriages, those words were foreign to me. Every birthday, I say, next year, I'm not going to be alone. I'm going to find somebody. And every year, it's like Groundhog's Day. I'm alone on my birthday, and I don't want to be alone anymore. You're everything I want, really. I'm not afraid of the commitment at all. Um, just briefly, birthday strategy is, like, hugely important in the Bachelor franchise. Um, I didn't know this. Well, I just, like, you know, if you are trying to play this game well, uh, mm -hmm. we weaponizing a birthday that happens during the game can get uh. you preferential treatment. You will get at the very least some alone time with the bachelor, if not like a cool date or something just mm -hmm. based on the fact that, so you may as well say it's your birthday. Mm. I mean, if you can get away with it, I've long argued that there's no danger. What could go wrong? Well, you know what? They could call you out for saying, but <laughs> that'd be a fun arc. This but anyway, also even, even if like the fact that Leslie is invoking a birthday, to get sympathy here. I mean, you know, this is not like a calculated move, but this is these are the effects of what it's she's really doing smart. here. It's it, it's it's not actually happening during the show. She's just talking about birthdays in general. I think that is inspired. That's a really clever good It's great shit. play. It's great play. She chokes up. He embraces her again. She says she knows he and Tony had that till death do us part kind of love, and she wants to have it too. And then Gary says then we will. Whoa. A shocking moment to me. I was so speechless by this. Deeply this... strange behavior. This oh, I mean, this it reminds man. me of, of Gary saying that he was in love with uh, Faith in public in, in on the hometown day. the whole family. Yes, yes. It's another like moment that I just can't imagine how he's going to walk back from in, and he's already in the midst of one, the, the fact that we're still kind of reeling from this faith thing, you know, he commits so many bachelor sins. Yeah. Here. It's an infraction. It's a rule break, you know, 
I love it. It's very I love juicy. It because he's breaking these rules and because the show has successfully found a man who they can talk into breaking these rules and also a man who is open and in touch enough with his feelings to desire to break these rules. Yeah. But goodness gracious, this is uh this is the ultimate batchy sin in in my it, opinion. Yeah, I mean it's just so fascinating the way he's barreling into it. I don't know if Leslie necessarily picked up on it. Like she didn't have the reaction that I would expect of someone who's like, I have been chosen, you know, like she's not, she's not counting her chickens, even though it looks to us like they've hatched. If you, Zavi, ever are to become the bachelor, Mm -hmm. the challenge that I would set for you is to tell as many people that you love them as you can. Well, like starting night one. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, why not? Is this love at first sight? Yeah, yeah. Just fucking lean as hard as possible into it. The only thing is people will think that that is fake. You know, like, I have to be convincing enough in that. And, you know, I love. You can be convincing. I believe you. I love. I think you can do it. Yeah, okay. Um, Cool. Well, I'll stop saying no to the (laughs) offers to be The Bachelor. Uh, Seemingly from nowhere, Gary produces one of the most iconic and crucial objects in a game of The Bachelor. When you buy The Bachelor home board game, it's got this, you know, in a little sealed plastic container. It's the ancient tome of wanting to bone. (laughs) It's the holy screed of doing the deed. It's the incantation of copulation. Good. The fantasy suite card. Now signatured by Jesse Palmer, 44 host, as opposed, as opposed to the previous sex allower, Chris Harrison. This card <laughs> signals the explicit permission to forego your individual rooms and use this key to stay as a couple in the fantasy suite. Leslie says, I'm in. And Gary says, and I'm in. And they steal away to their room. They're not thinking about this very much. They just, I mean, you know, they've probably been thinking about it for they've a while. they received one unit of doing it. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. Um, Gary ITMs, we can go beyond closed doors and have a conversation that's brutally honest. I don't know where it will lead, but I hope it will bring some clarity. Tend to get some clarity after. Sometimes, yeah. <clears throat> Gary, once again, repeats the advice given to him by Trista that has become a mantra for this season. Don't find the woman you can live with. Find the woman you can't live without. And this, the fact that he brings this up to uh, Leslie made me flash back to Trista's fantasy suite date, which we spoke about uh, a couple of years ago on the podcast. I don't know if you remember with the bachelor, Alex Michelle, who puked several times in front of her uh, and then told her that he would be the first man to make her orgasm from penetration. Uh, That was quite a fun one. Um, You can hear about that on our Patreon, if you like. Uh, That's... Truly one of the most vulgar combinations of, like, that's fucking champagne, oysters, and dick. (laughs) Uh, And then Gary crinkles up his nose and tells sexy dancer Leslie, I think you're the one. You're that one. And they kiss, and he says, you get it. It's like, I have to have you with morning coffee. I have to have you when I go to bed at night. Eh, In between, you can have free time, but... That's what it is. And I don't know how we'll decide where we would live. We'll have to figure that out. 
but I think there's no one else I'd rather figure it out with. And she says, I want to figure it out with you. They kiss, and Gary ITMs, I'm all in. I'm going to be 100% committed, and that commitment's going to be for the rest of my life. And this man is going to hurt her. This, is, this, this scene, watching this, in particular this, this moment, evoked a feeling in me that I can honestly say I have never... I have felt before from watching this show, from watching Bachelor... But, like, literally no other piece of art, no film, no piece of music has ever quite elicited this specific combination of emotions, which is, like, I, the way that I'm so happy for these people and, like, so believe earnestly that they have found something special, but also there is just this, like, looming sense of absolute dread, this, like nihilistic like the end of the world is coming this is such a catastrophe it's just exquisite like i cannot over overstate how special that emotion that this evoked in me is so confident was i in my conviction that gary is not going to choose sexy dancer leslie that the only experience that i had coming off the back of this speech was dread and rage right right uh, like Oh, did you not feel like this was a cute mom on some level? That speech is beautiful, but only when. Uh, do you do, tell me? Did you chuckle when he goes? No, you can have some free time in between. That's funny. I it was nice. Yeah, yeah. Like that's it's funny and sweet, and Gary is so affable. But um, I don't know. He's a minch. He's not doing anything wrong. <laughs> I, I just felt such discomfiture. Yeah, it's a, it's a repulsive feeling, but one that I bask in willingly and as often as possible. <laughs> it's so good. It's fucking fantastic TV. It's what makes, like, in an entirely different way, The Office a really fun show. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it has a lot in common with, like, stu- you know, people will try and recreate this in, in comedy and in scripted shows and stuff. It's but that I think. Cringe. Yeah, but I think it's like, quite. it's in mm. such a dispilled, distilled pure form in reality TV. Like, I think it's one of the strengths of the media as, you know, of, of the genre. And this is the strength of casting of The Bachelors last season because they found the flaws of three men and they exploited them over and over and over. Mm. Mm. Jed was not leaving that show without a proposal. Thomas was a freak. Felix had no Did Thomas have some weird stuff going on? I don't know. Do we ever <laughs> touch hey. on that? I don't know. Very hard. It's, well, because like this, no, I can't even do the Thomas voice right now. This is how agitated <laughs> I am by all this. Uh, 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 my Italian girlfriend says it's called the agitor. Um, <laughs> I, Oh, okay. So, if you're so if you're funny. worked up by this, if you're feeling if you're feeling upset by the, by what's happening on this date, I wonder how you feel about what happens next, which oh is God. we watch them make out in the bed. We cut to a wide shot of the exterior of the resort. We see their light flick off, and then we hear just voiceover of of Gary while we're looking at just the the building. Uh, he's uh, he's looking around and he's adjusting the thermostat in the room, and he says, "Oh my God, it's set at 80 which I looked it up. It's over 26 degrees in Celsius. It's pretty warm to sleep with, you know. Uh, And Gary says, what do you like, 70? And Leslie replies, 69. And we hear them both laugh. Max, I was hoping you might be able to explain this to me. Why are they laughing, please? Um, 
Actually, I don't know what the context is, but I do know that people think that that's a funny number. I think it's something to do with when two birds really love one another. Yeah, yeah, and they rub their cloacas. <laughs> now I have to keep that part. <laughs> Fucking edit. Uh, I found it very funny. Did you find this funny? I thought it was funny. I loved it. I, like, and this is the part about Gary where I don't, I don't disbelieve him. I think in this moment he is all in. Yeah. I think that he thinks that this is his person, that he and Sexy Dancer Leslie are going to spend the rest of their lives together. Me too. I think this too. And, like, they're like kids. Yeah. And it's beautiful yeah. to watch that uh, that falling in love feeling, mm-hmm. that funny silliness, that um, we're doing bits. They're goofing. Like, the other part was funny and, and nice, but I felt dread. Mm. This is the first time where I felt like, oh, no. You know, it took this joke mm. to bring out of me the feeling of, like, this is going to hurt so well, bad. Well, yeah, because it's fucking real. It's people's fucking feelings, you it's know? It's real. And it's real because they're making dumb jokes about 69. And I, yeah. ah, it just, it's just right. We cut to the next day with an establishing shot of the thermostat, which is set at 69 degrees. It's cute. Why not? Uh, we see so the two of them in bed sipping coffee. Leslie says, that was a great night. And Gary says, that was not enough sleep. Leslie says, we talked about everything. And in ITM, Gary references people's curiosity about what happens in the fantasy suites and basically answers them by saying, quote, it's none of their fucking business. I loved it. Yeah, which, like, it's obviously fair enough. It's our business because it's on TV. The thing is, it is actually our business. And, like, he, you know, signed up for it and knows, you know. But also it's like, yes, sure, I am not... It's just, what happens in people's bedrooms is not really our business, but this, I would argue, is an exception. It's a little bit more our business, isn't it? Yeah. And it's also our business in the sense that we've just relaunched a Patreon, and listeners, if you want to <laughs> donate to the show, you are so welcome to do so. It's like, it's like this. Um, I don't need, like, a full list of every position they did, or, like, you know, I don't need, like, a detailed, you know, breakdown of, like, what... We don't need the play-by-play and color commentary. Right. But I want it. <laughs> yeah. For my records. <laughs> we just need a little bit of each. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a funny... It, this is what we're talking about all episode, right? Is like, how much are they allowed to show on TV? How much are they allowed to talk about? How much are they comfortable talking about? How much are we comfortable hearing about? How much are, like, the general population audience who are probably way younger than these people comfortable hearing about... There are so many elements at play. So, like, they have to find some kind of splitting the difference, you know, safe point at which they can, like, you know, give themselves credit for talking openly about sexuality and stuff, but, like, do not cross any boundaries that make people uncomfortable, you know? Gary tells Leslie, I don't know when I'll see you again, but I'll miss you until I see you. And Leslie, in ITM, describes their relationship as like an old shoe. It's just comfortable. It fits well, and it's the perfect B-side to the ballad of John and Yoko. Uh, Max, did you have an alt? I mean, I like my punchline, but do you have a good one? I do have a good one. Set me up. Okay. Um, uh, Leslie and ITM describes their relationship as like an old shoe. It's just comfortable. It fits well. 
You can come inside of it. <laughs> Max, you're a shoe collector. Is that something you yeah. do? Look, I have I have some shoes. No judgment. No, uh, I um, look. There are some shoes that are for wearing, and there are some shoes that are just for looking at. <laughs> if you understand okay. what I am saying, I did ask. Uh, she says I really like Teresa. She's my friend. There's nothing I can say bad. But he leaves me today, and I know he's going to be with her. But I'm confident in what we have, and I'm just going to focus on that. This little bit of narration I thought was kind of weird. Like, it feels a little bit like... And there's there's a number of instances of, of voiceover and ITM in this episode being used for this purpose. It feels like kind of a course correction back to the, like, expected narrative of, like, who knows who he's going to choose while this is happening. And I'm thinking, like, at least at this point in the episode, I'm like, he has made it extremely explicitly clear that he is going to pick Leslie. Like, we just heard him say it. It will be them. They will work it out together. She has said the magic words. They will find out where they're going to live, whatever. This is the future. And, like, what I expect from the rest of this episode is him, like, figuring out how to break it to Teresa. And so for him yeah. to have this little, you know, or for this little bit of dialogue to sort of push us back into the center a little bit... I start going, oh, what is that? Why are we doing that? You know? This, for me, was one of the most necessary ITMs of the whole episode, both because it brings us back to format, right? Mm -hmm. The way that uh, we have heard this confessional in every final two episode. Oh, I know that he's with me, but he's also with her. And I like her but I want him to be with me. Mm. Like that exchange is so familiar. It returns us to parlance mm. after such a, um, such explicitness from Gary, mm. where he sort of signals to Leslie that she is going to be the winner. Mm. And while it does feel like jammed in, I was like, here's our narrative stake in the ground. Yeah. Well, for sure. Even, even though I assumed it was going to be Leslie, I guess like I know there is a two hour finale coming up and there's a second half of this episode to come. And so I'm like, we need something. Yeah. We can't have no runway ahead of us. Let's talk about fantasy suite date. Number two with Teresa. Uh, It is framed out by an overzealous camera operator, but I reckon Teresa had the better of the two hooju attempts this week. Um, Teresa narrates that she's in love with Gary. Everything that's happened since her partner Billy passed away has led her to this moment with him. After they reunite, Gary walks Teresa over to a couple of horses, which they ride around on. These horses, dicks, if present, remain invisible and piss-free throughout. Uh, And I did go over this footage with a fine-tooth comb. Hunting for those Do you things. Think that they only chose girl horses. There's every chance. I mean, who could say? Maybe this is what they do now after the Maddie J incident. Is that they only choose girl horses? I mean, is the American show learning from the Australian show, though? You know, definitely. I think that the American show uses the Australian show to experiment yeah, with that's different true. formats. I just feel like they yeah. don't care. You know, like well, there's also that. Um, yeah, you could be right, but also let's not be gender essentialist about horse genitals. Similarly flaccid is Gary, whose usually reliable and voluminous stream of energy has dried up. Uh, Teresa notices almost immediately that she is not the number one thing on his mind, 
and tries to sprinkle in a few drops of conversation. Uh, but she re receives far less than the usual golden bachelor shower of charisma. Uh, in ITM, Gary's lost in thought, saying, I just don't know where it's going. There's so much at stake, I have nothing to rely on. Yesterday was an incredible day with an incredible woman. And I have incredible woman number two today. Number twos often come with their That's own challenges. Incredible woman number two is what happened on fucking Bachelor in Paradise. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, when I, <laughs> when I first watched this episode and I heard the phrase incredible woman number two, I immediately texted you saying I cannot wait to record the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Teresa and Gary get off their horses. Uh, I assume once the horses have concluded the most important couple of minutes of their lives, they are sent immediately mm. to slaughter. Um, I also thought this is probably a date that they thought Faith would go on, right? Or at least like this is a date that horse go you know, Faith, Faith Definitely. horse girl. She probably would have loved this. She's probably watching at, at point, home I going think, like, yeah, like this is being reserved for Faith. Mm. Uh, the couple sit at a bench and Teresa says, oh my gosh, this is so difficult. I know that there's so much going through your mind and I understand. I completely understand. I mean, I think I understand. I wouldn't want to be in your spot, but you have to know how much I care about you, how much I love you, how much it meant the world to me that you came to visit my family and how much they loved you. And I just Shut can see a up. life with you. I mean, I can picture holidays and I, I can't wait to pick. If, if Gary says anything back to her during this, we do not see it. I assume maybe it's cut out, but also... The impression that we get is this, like, sweaty, nervous, like, stream of consciousness monologue. Um, That's been her the whole season. It kind of has, yeah. Um, and we get Gary's ITM, which provides his inner monologue, as he says, I'm looking at Teresa going, oh my god, what is wrong with you, Turner? This is the ideal woman for you. But at the same time, I'm thinking, what's Leslie doing right now? Dancing, <laughs> probably. Yeah, sexily. Sexily. Yeah, I bet. As they arrive at the dinner portion where the food is visible, I don't know if that means anything, uh, Gary ITMs, I probably did a bad job of compartmentalizing today, but has the relationship gone as far as it will go? It feels like we're not moving forward. And everything here I'm agreeing with at this point, right? I'm like, yeah. Because you're picking fucking Leslie. Gary tells Teresa he's been thinking a lot about what he does and doesn't know about her and decides to start with her career because he's not even really sure what she does for a living. Which is a surprise. But also, like, to be fair, this is their, like, second actual date, right? And their first one was interrupted by a flash mob. So, like, you know. So we don't know what Gary did. Two does for things a about exactly that, right? This was my first thought too. Like, what do you mean you don't know what she does for a living? Mm -hmm. And then I thought, wait, last week I called him a pig farmer because I don't know what he does for a living. <laughs> yeah. And also like, I think the, well, I mean like a lesson I hope that a lot of young people might learn is that what you do for a living is not a very interesting question. It's not like a great way to actually get to know somebody or whatever. No, uh, um, and, and, and to the point where, like, Teresa explains this, and I still have no fucking idea what she does. Right, right. We'll get to that in a sec. Um, maybe they have learned the lesson that I hope that 
everyone learns, which is that like there is more to you, and like obviously like they you know. Uh, the further you go in life, the less people you're asking about this because a lot of them are not working anymore or whatever. Um, They're networking. <laughs> yeah. Um, Teresa is, is really excited to be asked. She says, oh, please ask me that. And Gary wants info on what she does and also how long she's planning to keep doing it, which I think is maybe the more valuable piece of information. Um mm. All he knows is that she deals with, quote, securities and stocks and bonds and a variety of investment people. <laughs> Which is how I talk about most people's jobs, to be fair. Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh, and she tells a story of how she became an independent day trader many years ago and was then encouraged by her husband to pursue a job at one of the companies that she traded stocks for. She says she beat out 30 college graduates uh, who were all trying to get the job and she got it. I am no closer to knowing what the job is. We, she talks around right. it, you know, and like, I'm not expecting her to like name the like location. The pharmaceutical of, company that she probably works for. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, it's not going to be, it's not going to be good, <laughs> you know, probably. Yeah. But also like, you know, she, she loves her job. She says, I've always said that as long as, oh, actually, I'm, this is fascinating to me. She says, as long as I didn't have a man in my life, I said I would continue working. But if you gave me a reason to stop, I would stop. I'm really curious about what she means here. Like, does she want to continue working? Does she want to stop? I'm actually, again, not much closer to really pinning that down. I wonder if you ever thought about it. Yeah, is she desiring to become a homemaker again? Is she desiring to retire on Gary's Mr. Quick Money <laughs> in the uh, town in Indiana where half a person identifies as being of Hudson descent? Uh -huh. Like, <sighs> Or is she just saying what she thinks she should say? Like, is she saying what she thinks he wants to hear? Or, you know, like, is she yeah. trying to be diplomatic and not quite land on a very firm answer in case it's the wrong one? I've now Googled what Teresa does for a living. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess I didn't really think to do that. Is it is it available? She is the manager of a call center. Oh. Really? So she traded her accounts with whatever this company is. Um, Datec Online, these all seem like brokerages. And now she is the manager of a call center for those companies. Right. So, like, you might call up a financial brokerage or they might call you more likely and say, hey, are you in debt? Do I have a solution for you? Uh-huh. It seems like she manages a call center. All right. Well, look, she gets joy out of it. We're happy for her. I think so. I think that's fine. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Gary is very focused on the fact that this is a remarkably impressive achievement to start a business and grow it. I, I am thinking that it's like, as far as the narrative goes anyway, it's kind of funny that like this like job career work conversation seems to be the thing that makes Gary like wake up a little bit and start to reconsider Teresa as a real contender again. I don't know if you sense the tide turning around this time, but certainly like, yeah. Yeah, just because I was thinking so strongly that Leslie was going to do it. And then this is the thing that seems to change it. Like, I don't fully understand what her career is. But it do it's funny that to me, like, as we frame The Bachelor as a um, tool of, you know, 
heteropatriarchy and capitalism and like you know yeah. the the structure of of the status quo this feels to me a little bit like capitalism is giving itself a big pat on the back here and being like isn't it good that she you know like we're underlining some core american value of like you know you became something you you know you are more worthy now that you have uh succeeded in the world of business and finance and stuff and like you are in power over other people like as now we've learned she's the manager of a call center it's like you are you know using other people's labor to make yourself more wealthy like you know these are these are the attributes that we hold up high in in the world of capitalism uh this is what makes a person accomplished and you know uh look i all of this to say like this is what everybody does and like good for her and whatever like sure. you know she's no she's no worse than anybody or whatever no this is the world we live in right exactly but also uh it's curious i suppose that this seems to be the thing because gary has been truly like fucking zombified up until this point in the day that this is what's waking him up i'm like oh interesting like you know this might be some generational thing. This might be some class thing. This might be, you know, like this speaks to something. I'm not certain exactly what. Yeah. I kind of don't know either. Like I, I started thinking about it. Is it like that? She's a woman who makes her own money. Yeah. Is it, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I do think that like Gary being a 72 year old person means that he thinks about women in the workplace differently to us. And, um, it, it's seen as like a very normal thing for, for our generation and for younger generation and for probably some older generations too. Um, there was a time when that was not normal. I'm not saying Gary is necessarily that old. I don't really know, but you know, like uh, that in itself feels perhaps more worthy of Gary's uh, uh, esteem, I suppose. That's yeah. Kind of what I think, particularly when you consider that Gary lives in Hudson, Indiana mm-hmm half a person identifies as Hudson and the housing price, the median housing price in August of this year was $222,000, which means that likely it was much less than that because obviously the Mm. most expensive houses will raise the median. You know what I mean? For for the kind of house that uh, someone like Gary might own. Uh, The way that he was activated by what her career is and that she's had success doesn't register as like as highly to me on the scale of why I think Teresa is going to be the winner as what happens next. I agree. I agree. And like, um, I also, I don't want to, uh, skip over the fact that like, this is something that's really important to Teresa. And like the fact that Gary is really impressed by it and says, like, I feel like I'm in the presence of someone who's really got their shit together. Like she receives that compliment really warmly. Um, yeah. In a way that I don't know if she has a huge number of times throughout the series. Like she doesn't deflect it. This, her, her career, the work that she's put in throughout mm. her life seems to be a big part of her identity. And it's really nice to see her owning that. So I don't want to just right. say like, because this is some reflection of class that that therefore means it has no value. That's, that's truly not, not the case. That's true. And particularly in the context of in the previous episodes where we have seen Teresa's family be like, she's pretty much here every day. We can't even get rid of her. Sure. Yeah. I think it is something that, um, that pushes back against the, the too easy categorization of her as someone who is like very into Gary um, kind of rhymes uh, and, and not much else, you know, like um, obsessive Nana. 
which yeah. is what I think I called her in the last episode. Yeah, like it's it's uh, on first glance that's probably the the category that the producers have wanted to fit her into, but um the value of thinking harder about these things is that we see elements that um, are not are not there on first blush, or you know, are not the the soul may not be focus. there at all. Well, that's true too. Uh, she tells Gary that she had spent years going on bad dates and eventually just kind of gave up on dating. But her daughter suggested she apply for Golden Bachelor, and she tells Gary, "This is probably why I didn't find anyone because I was meant to find you." To me, that has to be the reason why I didn't say yes to anyone else. What's his face? Hated it. Yeah. It's, Hated it. Like, it's, uh, I mean, what it is, is if you, if you invoke destiny, if you, if you say this mm-hmm. was fate or something, and if the other person is inclined to agree with you, like, or, 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 like at all, it's very hard to argue with, you know, like... Yeah. It's not like you can rationally go like, hmm, but then why wouldn't, why did I have so much fun on my other dates or, you know, whatever, like. Right, right. It's exactly. just like, oh, I, I suppose you're right. You saw it in the stars or, you know, that kind of thing. The stars saw it for you. Right. As, as it were. No, this to me, I hate it. it this is the, like, um, in the solo episode, I mentioned the word sycophantic and I wasn't sure if I wanted to when it came to the way that the women respond to Gary for Teresa in particular, I think it's apt. She's very, like, I don't know, she's very into Gary in a way that feels to me a bit, like, a bit obsessive or a bit unnatural. And we talk all the time on the show about this, like, a wedding crashes archetype of the stage five clinger. I don't know that she's necessarily that, but I think that that, what, that, that might be what the show is going for. But then also Gary seems to be into it. Yeah, I think it, it rubs up against our understanding of the situation that like they're filming this over a month and a half or something like that. And like, yeah. you know, like it's all, it's very condensed. And so we don't expect these, you know, the, the rate at which these relationships, you know, this is the story of The Bachelor, you know? Uh, exactly right. Yeah. It, it makes us feel uncomfortable because we're like, whoa, is this already, whoa, you know, that kind of thing. They've only had a couple of dates. Um but also, this is what the show and the situation is designed for her to do. She's being prompted to do this by everyone she talks to on a day-to-day basis. Um, mm-hmm. And some people are going to be more susceptible to that than others. And some people express that in, in like, a more open way than others. And I think that's part of the Teresa thing, too, is that, like, yeah. she's so... Like, you can... Maybe it's, maybe it's not everyone who watches her, but I think, like, her specific sort of neuroses and stuff, like, really come across... And it's really easy mm-hmm. to see where these things are coming from in her. And it might be some insecurity or it might be some, well, you know, some... It's hard to know what it is, but they are at the very least present. Yeah. Um, pivoting slightly, um, although it is all between the lines. We're not really openly saying anything here. But she says, I haven't been with anyone since my husband. So tonight, if we did decide to be together, it's a decision that I don't take lightly at all. This is interesting. This is like, this is like, I don't want to dig down on every single sentence of this entire episode, but like when I think about younger seasons of Batchy, when I think about um, a conversation we had with Jody recently about virginity, when I think about your speculation mm-hmm. that we might have a virgin bachelor in Australia this next season, this is almost like the golden version of that. Absolutely. Like the, I haven't since or whatever. Like, I wonder if in future seasons of Golden Bachelor, this will continue to be like an archetype. 
I would expect this to continue to be a trope. Yeah. Like, it's not quite um, born again virgin, but it is like it's, that. It's um, not not like it though, right? Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. Like it's that re purity. Mm, yeah. Which obviously, yuck. I mean, yes, it's yucky. It's one of the many yucky things about this franchise. Yeah. Um, but then they have this really heartwarming, very short conversation that I think you alluded to earlier, where Gary asks Teresa if she ever talks to Billy. Yeah. Um, Billy being her lost, the, what's not lost? Deceased. Dece- <laughs> Deceased is a much not, It's not like he went out. Or <laughs> <laughs> I put him down somewhere. Found him in the bushes or oh, something. Yeah. I've checked all my drawers. I can't find him anywhere. <laughs> put up posters. <laughs> Uh, and Teresa says yes. And, you know, they, they both bond over this, which is something I can't relate to really, but no, something that I find, uh, you know, I have sympathy for, if not empathy or, you know, like I can, it, it feels extremely meaningful to the two of them, um, that they keep the conversation going with their partners after they've passed away. Like that's so powerful. Oh, yeah, the way that it's kept alive and the way that that meaning continues to be imbued in the relationship between Gary and and his wife and Teresa and her husband. Hmm. This is the sort of thing that, not to put it in a a gameplay kind of framework, Mm -hmm. but it is the sort of thing that, um, at least from an editing perspective makes me feel like that Teresa still has legs in this love competition. For sure. Yeah. I mean, this is, you can't deny that level of connection that the two of them have, that Gary just doesn't have that same thing with Leslie. This is probably what the finale will sort of hinge on. Um, Teresa obviously hasn't had the most like pristine season, um, but uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be very interesting to see how Gary moves past this if he chooses to get with Leslie, you know? Gary presents Teresa with the sacred text of Shall We Have Sex? The ancient scripture of I Want to Get Witcher. (laughs) (laughs) The declaration of independence. (laughs) Ah, that's my favorite one. Thanks. Uh, she reads it out and says, my answer is yes, overwhelmingly yes. The two of them kiss and Gary says, I think we should just go right now and find our spot. Um, this, is, this is quite funny to me. Like, you know, once once the fantasy suite card has been read out, it's like the school bell is rung and like, you know, there's, there's no more business there. They just fuck, fuck off. The funniest thing to me about this was that overwhelmingly as a... Uh as a way of describing the way that the results have come in does indicate some amount of a no vote. There's certainly amount of an amount of dissent that is being expressed here. Oh, I understand. Sorry. So yeah, when she's, <laughs> she reads it out, she says overwhelmingly. Yes. You're saying that like, that still means that she's like only three quarters of the way there or something. The votes are in and look, it is a landslide, but there's still 17%. That's not, not quite sold. Uh, that took me a minute. <laughs> uh, as they enter the room, Teresa says, I know you like to sleep on the right-hand side of the bed. Gary says he doesn't even remember her asking that. And I have to say, this is 
incredible. Like, to do this kind of subliminal work, Teresa has clearly done, you know, like breaking into Gary's mind palace, I assume, while he's sleeping, (laughs) you know, and like she didn't just steal away with specific bedroom preference details, but she probably also implanted the idea of her making it to fantasy suites in the first place. I can only assume, right? Oh, yeah. Which side of the bed do you want is an incredible pickup line. Yeah, totally. Um, So tender music swells. Uh, we oh tender is that's it oh my aching back oh better log on tin, tender and <laughs> uh, we we see the light turn off and a close up of the rooms do not disturb sign and then another slightly raunchy voiceover where Gary says you're really good at that and I feel like that didn't quite land the same way for me. It's a little bit of a step down from the historic first ever Golden 69 with Leslie. Yeah. It's less of a blowjob and more of a slow job. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, like, we are, we are strongly implying a sexual act here. It's not very clear exactly what it is. But it is very clear to me that this would be outside of the comfort zone of, Gary, none of your fucking business you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I, it does make me wonder, like, he has pretty conclusively drawn a, a, a line in the sand and been like, I actually don't want people talking and thinking too much about what, like, the bits are doing and stuff, you know? Like, mm-hmm. that is actually something I prefer to keep private. Uh, I wonder how he feels about this. Like, the, the edit, which wow. is, like, cheeky, but, like, a little... You know, it's not super explicit, but it's also like a little bit more explicit than he might, I imagine, have bargained for. That's what I love, to be quite honest with you. Yeah. That the show has been like, get with the times Mm. in its own way. That He's like, what happens in the bedroom stays in the bedroom. Yeah. Or, you know, you don't get to know about what my sex life is or any of that sort of stuff. Because obviously uh, and the show has been like, let's be coded about this, but also um, we're going to push you. Yeah, because we've seen, um, even you and I have seen um, fantasy suites where they have really gone hard on like showing you. Like, do you remember that first season where he, um, Alex Michelle, ordered room service and they sent up uh, chocolate body spread of some kind? Yes, yes. Like they, they, that was that was pretty. Like you had a good mental image of like what was going on in that room. They certainly didn't do any mm-hmm. of that stuff here, but also they didn't want you to not think about it. You know, that's right. Yes. The next morning we linger on a close up shot of Gary's discarded shirt and pants for quite a long time. I think they were like, Oh, this is good. It was really good. This guy doesn't sleep Whoever in a has button the up eyes shirt. To be like, we're going to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, really and then well we on. see Gary and Teresa sipping coffee from the exact same mugs that he was sipping from with Leslie just before. Um, I did double back and check. They are clearly in a different hotel room, which like, thank God. But, you know, it does highlight the, the weirdness, you know, um, the weird, the inherent weirdness of, of the yeah. fantasy suite. You know, are you, do you feel weird about it? Do you feel OK about it? Hmm. It's something I I'm I'm aware that I'm a little numb to now because I've seen so many of them. I feel weird about it in the sense that, like, he's been with this one woman who he says that he is in love with one night, and he 
is then going to be with this other woman that he says that he's in love with the next night, mm. which on the face of it, look, people can love multiple people. Yeah. Okay. But you're thinking more about but the the declarations of love than the like physical. I'm thinking about the declarations of love, but I'm also thinking about the uh, the decorations, to be quite frank with you. The way that this all looks and feels the same mm. is it does make me a little bit squeamish or something like that, yeah. you know? Um, uh, well, normally it's three people. Mm. Normally it's... It, <laughs> truly, normally on, on a hometown date, it's back yeah. to back to back. So this Gary is... Gary and Teresa and Leslie <laughs> all together. I guess I did mean three women or three men and one late or four people, you know, yes. Okay. Sure, yeah, Numbers, yeah. they're complicated. Gary tells Teresa, funny how 24 hours makes a difference. Everything you said was a revelation and it was pretty awesome. I would not be saying this. Yeah, I, that's true, actually. That seems like you're admitting to her that you had basically written her off, right? That you'd written her off like it's an indication of where you were at in the horse race. Yeah, to yeah. borrow a metaphor from earlier before one horse will be shot. Right. Um, Teresa ITMs, it felt pretty great waking up next to Gary, and that could be the first time that I woke up next to my husband. Now, I know it's none of our business what happens behind closed doors on a fantasy suite date, but... Did they get freaking married last night? Is that what she's saying? <laughs> Maybe they did. That would actually be, be a truly incredible, like, game-changing oh play. If you were on the Bring show. in the celebrant right now. Yeah. Yeah. Behind closed yeah. Next morning, you're just, like, sipping your coffee and you see a little sparkler on that ring finger. Fantasy Suites in Vegas. Wow. Yeah. Wow. I like it. I like so it. What's Australian Vegas? Briz Vegas, I guess. Casino? <laughs> yeah. Star City? I, mm, I don't know. What are you looking for? We're looking for? for a concentration of casinos and of, like, um, extreme heat mm. and of debauch. Is it the Gold Coast, maybe? I mean, New South Wales has got way more casinos than Queensland. Yeah, that's true. It's we'll like, to it, literally... If you have a suggestion of... Oh, you know what, what it is? Vegas is. I think I know, actually. Please write in. It's the uh, Century Bar and Hotel in the CBD. Oh, my God. Where their yes. air conditioning frequently doesn't work. <laughs> if they had a chapel at Bar Century, yeah. I think that they would make a mozza. They also have a, now a capsule hotel there, so you could have your honeymoon <laughs> or your wedding night in a capsule together. <laughs> Isn't it such a right of, and listeners from overseas, this is a bar right in the center of Sydney's CBD. Mm. And it's sort of fallen it, from grace, or maybe it's elevated from it definitely disgrace, has from or, grace, but it was the lockout that did it. Yeah, it's not what it once was, but what it once was was the worst place ever where you could get yeah. the cheapest alcohol in Sydney uh, with the stickiest floors of any venue, perhaps in the At world. At any time of the day or night. Yeah. Um, and it attracted a certain crowd of people. It's a clientele. Yeah. In ITM, Gary tells us, All of the questions and the trepidations that I had about Teresa was gone in the first hour or hour and a half of conversation. It was incredible. And I'm like, well, that's lucky. <laughs> it's kind of a shame we didn't get to see that, right? You know? Right. Uh, Teresa leans the over. The only question that we got to, it was, what do you do? Yeah, that's basically what we got to see. The rest of it was off camera. 
uh, and it really turned things around. Teresa leans over and tells Gary, in case I haven't said it, I'm crazy about you. I love you. And Gary says, and you know how I feel about you. And the nice part is, you know. And Gary ITMs, last night I told her that I loved her. And I told her, I want you to know that I mean it. And I'm saying it from the bottom of my heart. I can't tell you the elation that I felt. It feels pretty wackadoo from where I'm sitting for this extremely crucial narrative beat. This like hook to, is it, I don't know how to drive it up, but this like pivot from <laughs> what, at least what I was looking at this episode is like, you know, yeah. it is so Leslie, it is so not Teresa. And then for something to change with Teresa while the cameras aren't, look, you know, while we're not looking in a moment we don't get to see. And then he tells about us, not even like in the conversation that they have together, but he tells the camera about it in an ITM. I like, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't have enough here to make a real conspiracy theory out of it, but like, it's so weird to me that like, if we get to the next episode and he goes like, based on the conversation that I had, I am choosing Teresa. Like, it will feel to me like w the, the, the show kind of fucked up, you know? Like, they didn't construct this properly. I think that's fair. I, hmm, when I watched this, the initial thought that I had was Gary was reading Teresa's mind and vice versa, whereas... Leslie and Gary were on different pages when they spoke about at least what Gary was hinting at in terms of like, where are we going? What does the future look like? Sure. And that's true. Like the Leslie Gary situation, they will need to figure that out. But. Whereas there isn't specifically a thing with Teresa that they need to figure out for this to work, you know, specifically. Well, she lives in New Jersey and she's got her whole family and her grandkids there. Sure, but I'm just talking about the the narrative. Like, that has not come into focus as a problem. That's right. That's mm. exactly what... Yeah, that's exactly where I'm going with this. Because it's like... The point that we have gotten to with Sexy Dancer Leslie is where are we going to live? And the point that we have gotten to with Teresa is what do you do for a living? And so now... A couple of hours later, listening to your perspective, I feel like I might be reconsidering the strength, at least, of my position. Mm. I think Teresa will win. I was very, very confident in it based on at least this differentiation of um, Gary being like, we get each other mm. in reference to Teresa mm -hmm. and more like she's fun in reference to Leslie, mm. if I'm to boil it down to those things, that's it's an oversimplification. Sure, sure. But that's sort of how I felt about it. Mm. But listening to what you're saying, it does feel like the emotional depth that has been reached with Leslie is more substantiative even though the show is presenting it is as uh more like they're more on even footing yes 
I think it's going to be really interesting watching this finale because both of us do not feel the same way about what the outcome is going to be. I'm trying to work it out. Yeah. Yeah. And I like... You're winning me over, I will say. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that we don't really know, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a, a rare luxury, you know? Um, but yeah, as for this episode, that's pretty much it. Leslie ITMs that Gary's the best thing since sliced bread. Uh, and if all goes well, a proposal could be at the end of this. I think this is the only time a proposal is invoked in this episode. Well, so it's Oh, and then Teresa then ITMs, it... if he asked her to marry him, she'd say yes. So they're both, I would say, pretty much level playing field as far as ring. That's it. And then as the far as ring goes, confessional from as Gary. far as ring goes. <laughs> Hello there. You beat me. Have you heard my new song with my old friends? They're back. I got to play the drums right. on it. It's okay. Among the tubs. I think some of the uh, AI technology isn't quite as ready as they're making it out to be, but... <laughs> Hey, what are you going to do? We haven't had a single for a while. <laughs> got to do something. <laughs> Did you hear about the... Uh... I got to go. <laughs> oh, Ringo's gone. Do you hear about the... Oh, I missed um, him. I, I always miss him. Open sourced punk artificial intelligence that they're doing? I don't think I did, Maxwell. Can you tell me about it, please? It's open OI. <laughs> Interesting. Have you heard about the um, AI software that's being made for um, f for free download um, for mm. for Scar fans? Go on. Oh, I I was just wondering if you had a chance to pick it up. <laughs> Fuck's sake. <laughs> Gary Gaze. Fuck, I'm excited, can I just say, to do a whole season of what we did last year. As much as it was torture, yeah. to do a whole season at like from 10 days from now until fucking Christmas. Oh, buddy, it's going to be great. To be like, we are going to be in on doing The Bachelor. Absolutely. I am thrilled. Yeah, me too. Gary gazes out at the horizon and says his decision will be difficult. He recaps the two options, the exciting adventurous life with Leslie or the deep bond of shared trauma and healing with Teresa. At this point, I know I can't put it off any longer. As hard as it is, I think that I've made my decision. And I feel like if I were leading directly into a two-week gap in the season, as we are here, I would probably avoid using the phrase, I can't put it off any longer into the final <laughs> sentence of the episode. Um, but yes, uh, due to uh, Thanksgiving... Uh, uh, football. Is it football? I thought it's just like everyone's too busy. They do lots of Thanksgiving. They do lots of football. And in fact, they've made a deal, I think, on the night that The Bachelor is going to air this week for there to be a football game on right. ABC. So no Golden Gary next week. However, we are planning to have a pretty stacked Bachelors Australia season 11 slash 2 question mark preview episode, uh, including our findings about the 24 women who will be competing on the upcoming season coming to you next week. I haven't even, I don't know if you've done any looking in. I haven't really begun to None. dig into anything, but I did follow all of the women on Instagram and that has already led to some kind of whack stuff. Um, I'm, I'm just going to drop one thing here, which is that despite, Please. 
all of the women's Instagram accounts being officially managed by a third party for the duration of the season, as per usual, one of the women is still consistently sharing posts, stories, and sponsored content. And the Bachelor promo image bearing her likeness is already buried deep in her grid. Interesting. We have never seen I that am before. looking forward to finding out more about that. I feel like this upcoming week, week and a half between now and recording this episode for me, look, we had a lot of research to do into Wesley, into the Luke, into the Ben... Uh, like and I, even the uh, oh no, you said all three. <laughs> Sorry, I was. I think I got there. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. I got there with them. The the next week and my half weekend, my half. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna take it again. <laughs> Wait, the next is, week and a half is your week. half the one who lives in uh, <laughs> Indiana in Hudson? Fuck, now we have to keep it. <laughs> the next week and a half for me is going to be spent down a wormhole of trying to work out who these women are. What can we do about them? This is my favorite yeah. time yeah. of uh, of Bachelor year. I don't know that we can promise necessarily anything, but well, we can promise we're going to try our best about what's going on. We can also promise, I think, without being too boastful, that we will spend more time looking into this than anybody else. Absolutely, you know, a lot of people are content without to just doubt, share the bios. No question. Uh, Max and I have this disease. <laughs> And we will be... If these women have an account on Pinterest, if these women have been shopping on AliExpress, we will find out about it mm. and we will let you know, dear listener. That is our promise. And if you are one of these 24 and women and you're listening to this podcast, please don't delete all the juicy stuff before we get to it. Is it 24 or is it like 30? I don't even know. It's, it's 24 women. It's three men. Okay, good. Yeah, yeah. We're going to have fun. Um, eight by eight. Uh, eight by three. 24. <laughs> this is incredible Mass. stuff. Jack Bauer. It's not great. Um, 9-11. Uh, Jack Bauer. From the show 24. Oh, haven't seen it. Keith, Chief Keith Sutherland. Listeners. Is that Prison Break? No. Different one. No. Listeners, um, if you have enjoyed this episode of our podcast, um, good work. You did it. <laughs> if you failed our test, I'm so sorry. Um, what do we normally say? Listeners, we're so grateful that you've listened to this whole episode. If you did, you're probably a prime candidate for coming to join the conversation with us on social media at BOH Pod, wherever social media is sold. Even the ones that we don't update very often. You can still follow us on it and see if it'll shake any posts loose. Uh, you can also find us on Facebook. That's a place where we post in a big community. It's mostly me posting. It shouldn't be though. Hey. No, 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 it's not. There's plenty of people. I feel like there's lots of people who take the lead from us. You're right. I want to retract that. we are playing catch up. You can also join our wonderful community on Facebook, believe it or not, of all places, uh, which is honestly thriving, a wonderful space where batchy-minded freaks hang out, um, past contestants, future contestants, hosts of the show. Could be. Future hosts of the show? (laughs) No promises, but, you know, we won't live forever. If you go away for a season, I'm going to need someone. Yeah, it's true. Uh, You can find us there at Bachelor of Hearts Osh posting. Um, You will love it. I guarantee it. That's my 100% guarantee. 
Um, you can also find us on Patreon, as we mentioned before. If you'd like to, you have a couple of penny. Look, I know it's not a great time. Everyone's having a bad time. I'm having a bad time. Look, so the part of this with the Patreon that I don't love is um, like digital panhandling. But I, what yeah. I would like to say is that if you like the work that we do, if you appreciate the work that we put into the show, then uh, the Patreon's available to you. It's no stress. It's no pressure. We're going to keep doing it either way. Yeah. I think uh, honestly, the thing with, with Patreon us, is like, sick. I think honestly, the thing with Patreon is like, we genuinely had some people ask us if they could do this. And so yeah. we're allowing it. But also like, if you don't want to do it, like, please don't do it. You know, like uh, we don't want you to accidentally pay money. This is why we had it frozen for like most of the year. Um, My life will be fine either way. Exactly. Max and I are doing fine. It's no big deal. Um, but yeah, uh, otherwise, do we have any other thoughts to leave the listeners with other than the state of our bank balances? I got one. What's that, Max? Listeners. <coughs> Does it begin with we? We. We love you. Goodbye! Ears. From the first moment you went to